Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Here they go again. Tim Bobo dropping the throw. Winston out and got those to the left. It's intercepted at the 35. Outside the numbers to the 40. To the 35 to the 30. To the 25 to the 20. To the 15. 10. Mike Edwards. Touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish, live on YouTube today to talk about... The firing of Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Now, the Buccaneers did not stop there. Uh, They went red wedding, if you will, when it comes to the offensive coaching staff. We'll talk about some of those departures, a couple of retirements on our hands as well, and uh, much more to be talked about over the next 30 or 45 minutes. But welcome back to the pod. Evan, first and foremost, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Um, Obviously, this is news we all expected. Pewter Report. Uh, props to them for getting the scoop first on, on Monday night. Um, they alluded to it, obviously, a bunch of times, but uh, obviously official now. So uh, we, we talked about it, and, and we're not going to, you know, this isn't going to be the entire show just talking about Byron Leftwich, but, um, you know, we are going to, you know, d- discuss that uh, and also discuss some candidates as well as talk about, like you said, the, the new news that we have, which is uh, not only Byron Leftwich, but eight other coaches uh, will not be returning to Tampa Bay next season. Now, let's address the elephant in the room first and foremost. Byron Leftwich, Buccaneers offensive coordinator for the past four seasons, was relieved of his duties today officially. Like you had mentioned, Scott Reynolds, pretty much as soon as the clock hit triple zeros against Dallas on Monday night, sent out the tweet that it is expected the Bucks would move on from Byron Leftwich. So while this is now official news, it shouldn't exactly be breaking news to anyone. But let's talk about what led to Byron Leftwich's departure. So this time a year ago, uh, he was supposedly one of the greatest bright young minds or young offensive minds in the NFL having uh, obviously played a huge part in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that was top 10 in 2019, won the Super Bowl in 2020 with Tom Brady throwing 40 touchdowns. And in 2021, Tom Brady had one of his most productive seasons of all time, got robbed of MVP, but 5,000 plus yards, 43 touchdowns in the regular season, and a couple of wins in the playoffs. Now this year, uh, with the absence of Bruce Arians, we we saw that offense regress. And uh, by regress, I want to say the largest drop-off of production we have seen on a year-by-year basis, I think in the history of doing the podcast, I'm sure that there have been other drops from grace uh, in Buccaneers history that have to do with the offensive side of the ball. But point blank, when when you go from averaging 30 points per game and you are the second-best offense in the league to this year being not only historically bad in the run game, 
historically atrocious on third down, uh, but you only averaged 18 points per game. And the same old song and dance throughout the 2022 season was that this is a Bucks offense that just wasn't scoring enough points. And, um, you know, after a disappointing season, getting shut out in the first half against Dallas at home in a playoff game, that must have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But there was also a lot of rumblings that, you know, this is something the Bucks wanted to consider right around the time of the bye week. And, um, you know, Todd Bowles kind of weighed out his options, decided to, to see things through, and uh, it didn't equate to very much success for the Tampa Bay in the long run. But what are your thoughts on the departure of Byron Leftwich from Tampa Bay? Well, I, I mean, I don't think the Dallas game was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I, they made this decision a long time ago. Um you know, I, I yeah, I, I think uh, Pewter Report kind of explained the best that, like, you know, you kind of bowls kind of hope that with just enough Brady magic and the defense being able to to do enough that they could get by uh, at the bye week. And that's why he wasn't let go at the bye week. So and also um, something that a lot of people aren't considering. They're like, well, you know, why? Why did you? You know, why did you why did you get rid of him then regardless? Maybe Bowles didn't feel comfortable having anyone else on that offensive staff be the play caller. I mean, we saw it. We're gonna get into it. There is not much of this offensive staff remaining. Um, there is not much. There's only a few names that, that remain. So um maybe there was nobody else that he felt comfortable giving those play calling duties to. So if, if that's the case, then yeah, you might as well keep Byron Leftwich and it's just and people aren't going to like this because everybody wants to fire Todd Bowles. But in Bowles's case, if he were to fire Leftwich midseason and then hire, let's say he promotes Kevin Garver, who was let go today, but he let's say he promotes Kevin Garver to the offensive play caller. And let's say things don't change at all. Let's say it is still the same exact thing. Um you know, then at the end of the season, Bowles has already played his one card, really, and that's changing the offensive coordinator. So he's already played that. So now, like, what's left? So I think in order to, you know, to help secure his job for next year, which um, by all, you know, signals that it, it is secure for 2023 at least, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, this is a move that had to happen. Uh, it, it just had to. Um, best of luck to Byron. I, I think he, he's a bright guy. I think he's pretty well liked in that organization. Um, but it's just, it wasn't working. So um, you could clearly see that he was he was a little bit exposed without the, the help of Bruce Arians. And, and I mean, to be fair, the, this offense was not as talented as the 2020 and 2021 offense. So you have to be completely fair there. But at the same time, uh, it still had plenty of talent and way too much talent to be, what, 25th in, in scoring or something and, and be one of the, the worst offenses in the league. So uh, way too much talent for, for that. Not, not, not as much talent as the past, but still underachieved, and, and it cost Byron Leftwich's job here. Yeah, injuries and execution are always going to be something that an offensive coordinator just cannot account for. And in 2022, early on and often, uh, you know, injuries were hitting the bucks left and right. You never really had a consistent number three wide receiver. Chris Godwin wasn't playing like Chris Godwin until seven, eight, nine weeks into the uh, NFL season. So I think another thing that failed Byron, to be honest with you, you talked about the talent level of that 2020 and 21 bucks team, it just wasn't there in 22. Whether it was guys leaving, whether it was departures, whether it was, you know, Julio Jones not playing like Julio Jones or Russell Gage battling injury all year, the talent wasn't there. But what really got the bucks the most in 2022, especially, is that when you don't have that talent, we got a much better look at how 
boring this offense was. Um, you know, 2020 and 21, you have the influence of Bruce Arians and you have players that can go out there and execute. Mike Evans was getting open. Chris Godwin was able to get open when he was healthy. Antonio Brown was the best number three wide receiver this team has ever seen. And uh, clearly when you have the weapons available to make plays, they're going to make plays. But when you lose some of those weapons and you're put in a situation where you have to start, you know, scheming the best possible situation for your guys, Byron just wasn't doing that. And uh, you can only rely on talent to take you so far. Just like, you know, we talk a lot about Tom Brady this season. You can only rely on Tom Brady and his magic to take you so far, especially when he is 45 years old and uh, leading the league in passes attempted. So, yeah, I think Byron just, like you said, got exposed this year. And uh, it, it ended up looking a lot worse than I think a lot of us expected before the season. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, it was certainly a surprise that the offense looked the way it did. Uh, we we knew. I think the expectation was they were going to take a step back, just because, like I said, that the talent that they lost, Ali Marpet, Rob Gronkowski, they both were they both you know, you know hang it up. Antonio Brown goes off the deep end. You know, those are three very very talented football players. Um, despite what you think of Antonio Brown, um, you know he's he, he is a he could basically be in the wide receiver one on a lot of teams in the NFL still. Um, he, he's very good. And then the first, the second day of training camp, Ryan Jensen goes down. So at this point, you know, you're trying to incorporate a lot of different things, you know, mix that with, you know, Tom Brady not being as good. Um, Mike Evans not being as good. Donovan Smith having arguably the worst year of his career. You know, it was just, it was a perfect storm. Um, but at the same time, left, which didn't do himself any favors. So uh, yeah, there was just too many times this season where this offense, like you said, looked boring. It was very predictable. Um, I mean, it's just, there was numerous times where you're like, the defense must know what's coming. Like they have to know what's coming because uh, nothing they did really, really worked. And there was just, there was no creativity to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Well, and let's face it too. Another issue the Bucks offense had, it was a hot topic at the beginning of the season was play action pass. Uh, Byron had made a comment in a press conference around training camp about play action, how, you know, the run game doesn't necessarily, well, he actually said the opposite. He said you have to have a run game in order to establish play action. Which isn't true. It, which is not true. But unfortunately helps, for Tampa but... Bay, uh, they had one of the worst run games in NFL history this season. So in another perspective here, if you're an NFL defense, let's say you're the middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. All season long, the Bucks gave teams zero reason to respect the play action. You know what I mean? And I think that's what led to slowly but surely we saw this team become more and more and more predictable as the season went on. Because the more film you put together of the same offense rolling out there and playing the same way to try and save a game week after week after week. We mentioned it last week on the show. The only two games where the Bucks felt like they controlled all four quarters were the ones where they ran the ball well. And it was two games. One of them was in uh one of them was in Munich, the other one was week one against Dallas. That was it. Everything else was, you know, Tom Brady throwing the ball more than 35 times, 40 times, which all the way back at the beginning of the season, both Bulls and Leftwich said they don't want him to have to do that this year. So naturally he goes out there and breaks the record for all time attempts and completions in the season, uh, and, which, and, and which he, he set in twenty twenty one. And he didn't want to do that this much, this deal you know, in 2023 or 2022 either. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, just not good. Not, not good. And, and the running game, like, I, I believe, like, some of it is, um, uh, you know, some of it can be scheme. Uh, when, when it comes to the running game, some of it's talent, though. And, and the Bucks just, again, I think the loss of Ryan Jensen really hurt, specifically the running game. Uh, Leonard Fournette even not having uh, the, the best year ever. It was just, it was a perfect storm. And... Is Byron Leftwich completely at fault? No. Like, if you're expecting his offense to be, oh, they're going to be back to normal, you know, again, and, and back to scoring 30 points a game, but maybe not. Like, because Byron Leftwich wasn't the only issue. However, he was a pretty big issue, and obviously uh, the, the Bucks saw that as well. Yeah, we'll talk about some potential replacements at OC towards the end of the podcast. For now, let's get to the rest of the coaching staff who were on the chopping block today in Tampa Bay. They let go running backs coach Todd McNair, wide receivers coach Kevin Garver, who we actually talked about this time last year as a potential OC replacement. Could have been an in-house interim if uh, the Bucks had decided to go that way, but clearly they did not. Specialist coach Chris uh, Boniel. Boniel? I don't want to say that incorrectly. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I would say Boniel, Boniel, whatever. Sure. Offensive quality control coach Jeff Castle. And uh, the only defensive coach I believe they let go so far as of today was assistant defensive line coach Lori Locust, who is the only or was the only female assist, uh, female defensive coach in the NFL. So now there are zero in the NFL. And um, I'm not going to say Coach Lowe got did dirty, you know, injuries or injuries and departures or departures. And this isn't this isn't a coaching staff decision that is going to uh, to tear me apart. But, you know, we got to give credit where credit is due. I thought I thought Coach Lowe did a, a pretty good job in that defensive system. And it seemed like a lot of the players liked her as well. So here's what we have to remember with, with this whole thing. Um, you know, despite what you think of Todd Bowles, he was hired on March 31st. You know, he, he was hired on March 31st. He didn't have a shot to put together his coaching staff. Oh, yeah, by no means. So, you know, I mean, really Casey Rogers, I think, is really the only coach where, like, he had, you know, picked. And that's when he originally came to Tampa. So, um, yeah, I think that this is Bowles uh, looking at it and, and realizing that, like, yeah, there needs to be changes and stuff. So we don't know what goes on in that building. We don't know the different responsibilities that people have, um, the different reasons as to why. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's a shame. Yeah, sure, it's a shame to see her go. It's a nice story. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at, at the same time, um you know, there, there had to be some accountability. I, I was kind of, you know, not not very surprised that there was less de defensive uh, firings, I guess you could say, on, on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, I, I knew there had to be some. Uh, there, there definitely had to be some. And there may be more, you know, just because these were announced today does not mean that there isn't going to be any more. So um, we will see. Now, a couple of retirements in here as well. One of them more critical than the rest uh, offensive assistant Rick Christoffel decided to call it a career. Outside linebackers coach Bob Sanders retired. And uh, quarterback coach Clyde Christensen, at 66 years old, decides to hang it up and call it a career after a Super Bowl run with Tom Brady these past few seasons and, uh, you know, a couple of other years under Bruce Arians. That's probably the biggest departure as far as, you know, who got let go today. I know Byron left, which is one that we talk about and a couple of other uh, coaches as well. But, you know, out of all the names on this list, 
Clyde Christensen was probably the one who worked the closest to Tom Brady next to a guy like Byron Leftwich. So, you know, I obviously don't think it affects Brady's decision in the long run. I still think he'll end up where he wants to be at the end of the day. But uh, just something to consider and uh, hopefully a loss that, you know, isn't felt too much here moving forward. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to see you know what they're gonna do next for quarterback coach. I, I'll throw one name out there, uh, Thad Lewis, who is the assistant wide receivers coach right now. Um, he could be a potential name. I, I think whether it's for wide receivers coach or quarterback coach. Uh, he was a former quarterback in NFL. Played for the Browns. Played for the Bills a little bit. Um, he's been on the staff for a, a while now, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe be uh, filling one of those spots, whether it be the wide receivers coach or quarterbacks coach, or maybe, you know, it's it's whoever they choose to be the offensive coordinators, you know, maybe it's his decision. So uh, we really don't know yet. The Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Check out their updated website and mobile app to get an extra 50% bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Now for Tampa Bay, obviously the search begins for a new offensive coordinator. And we had this conversation before, but I think they're going to end up hiring a new OC before we figure out if Tom Brady is the quarterback in 2023. Does, the, does that sound par for the course? Yeah, I, I would expect a new offensive coordinator probably, if not before February 1st, shortly after February 1st. I, I don't think this is going to take very, very long. So I, I would think they're going to want to have their guys sooner rather than later. Um, but also like, they're not going to rush it, yeah. um, you know, but I, I think they have an idea of some of the guys that, that they want. And uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. A couple of candidates that obviously came up today, no official interviews from Tampa Bay yet. We'll keep you posted on those as they happen, uh, but just a few names that have been tossed around. The first one was Bill O'Brien, Alabama offensive coordinator, Previously spent some time with the Patriots, worked very close with Tom Brady, had some very successful years with TB12. So you have to think if at any point Brady decides to tell the Bucks that he's ready to go in 2023, I don't think he's going to have so much to say so in the, uh, you know, the hiring process. It doesn't really work that way. Todd Bowles, Jason Light are going to have the final say so, but I'm sure that they would appreciate any input they can get from their veteran quarterback at this point, potentially heading into his fourth year as a Buck. Um, so Bill O'Brien with what he can bring to this offense, obviously all three of these candidates, uh, are creative in their own right. And we'll talk about it, but with Bill O'Brien, what kind of fit do you see with him as the OC, whether Brady's here or not? Yeah, this is actually something that that pewter report has talked about. And it's something that the bucks are going to have to weigh. If Tom Brady comes back, it's likely for one year. So are you hiring Bill O'Brien just to get Brady back for one year? Okay. What happens in 2024 then? 
Like, is Bill O'Brien a fit for you in 2024? So um, I, he runs a, a very traditional offense. Again, it, it's not something that's going to be – it will probably make people a little bit frustrated. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. He'd be an upgrade over Byron Leftwich, but uh, it's not the most creative offense in the world. You're not going to see anything crazy schemed up and stuff like that. Uh, but he has a pre-existing relationship with Brady, which may matter. So um, if – if they're sure that Brady's not back, I'm not sure O'Brien makes as much sense. Uh, he's still he's a candidate for that Patriots job. He interviewed there today, so um, we'll, we'll see. But I I, I think there's uh, there's other candidates that are a little bit more likely than O'Brien, regardless of what Brady does. But you know, I, I still think O'Brien could be in that mix. Yeah, and when you talk about potential changes to this offensive game plan, Bill O'Brien's probably going to give you the least amount of turnover in the sense that, you know, he's not going to come in and redesign the game. He's not going to change the way you use your quarterback. He's not going to all of a sudden start scheming up plays for a guy like Taysom Hill to go out there and take some snaps. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, Dan Orlovsky cut a promo on Byron Leftwich today and referred to his offense as archaic at times just because of how behind the eight ball it is in terms of the rest of the NFL and uh, these younger offensive coaches, their mindset, their creativity in, in designing plays. That's not what you got from Byron Leftwich. And as far as Bill O'Brien, I think that pre-existing relationship with Brady is going to get him some brownie points. But just like you said, um, it seems like more of a safe move than a high risk, high reward kind of move if that's the direction they end up going. Another guy I wanted to get your thoughts on, one that seems a little more realistic and one that we had talked about at the tail end of the previous episode, that is Georgia offensive coordinator, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, who we obviously know just had two perfect seasons with the Georgia Bulldogs as they look to, uh, you know, go for three, essentially, which is pretty crazy the way that that team has taken over college football. But he has engineered an incredibly efficient offense down there. And he did the same thing in Tampa Bay. For a lot of people who remember that 2018 season, Week one, week two with Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he threw three straight games of 400-plus passing yards. That was all Todd Munkin calling the plays under Dirk Cutter. I think Dirk ended up taking back play caller duties sometime after that Monday night loss to Pittsburgh. It was the, it was the Washington game about midseason. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then, uh, you know, we saw that team self-destruct before no no to be fair here's the thing with munkin for me um he was calling the plays it was still that was Dirk cutter's offense like he was calling the plays but it was Dirk cutter's playbook so um if munkin were to return to tampa bay i imagine it would be his playbook so very curious to see what, what that would be um I still, I, I am still of the mindset based on the knowledge that I have that it is a, a strong possibility. Um, it's not a lock. He is, you know, there is a lot of interest. I think Ian Rapport reported that there's a lot of interest from some teams with Todd Monk and, and rightfully so. I mean, when you win back-to-back championships from Georgia uh, in the fashion that they have, I know the college game is different, uh, but he, he's been getting a strong consideration for offensive coordinator jobs for a little bit now. So uh, would not shock me if Todd Monk was the next offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay, but I also think it's far from a lock. The last guy that I wanted to highlight, unless you have any others that I missed, this one seems like the most recent development solely because it was officially uh, announced today that he has parted ways with the Baltimore Ravens. That is former OC for Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman. Now, first and foremost, 
you look at Baltimore's offense this year, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people surface level saying, hell to the no. We do not want that guy coming in here and trying to revamp this offense. But something about Greg Roman and his fit in Tampa Bay, some of it obviously depends on the quarterback. And when you lose Lamar Jackson to injury every year like he has done, it's going to be tough to work with. But what do you think of that potential fit in Tampa Bay? Because it seems like a name that a lot of people are either going to be really in on or uh, way out on. Yeah, he wouldn't be the most inspiring hire to me, but I would get it. Um, They want to run the ball more. Uh, yeah, I mean, and honestly, they need to run the ball more and they need to run it better. So what better way to do it than, than to hire a guy like Greg Roman, who his specialty is not passing like it, it's not. And maybe it's not the best fit in Tampa. And and I don't I don't know how likely Greg Roman is. There's no linking um, of him to the Bucks yet. Uh, like I said, he just stepped down today. So, you know, we won't know. But I, I do think there could be a fit there. Uh, I'm not saying there will be, but I just look at it as they want to run the ball better. Um, and I, I think there's an opportunity here in Tampa for them to maybe evolve as an offense in a little bit of a different way. They've ever since really Dirk Cutter came to town, um, even when he was the offensive coordinator with, with Lovey Smith as head coach, they've always been a pass heavy team. They were never really a, a very run heavy team. And I think this would kind of be a switch. And honestly, like defensive coaches, you know, they're going like Todd Bowles is. They're going to likely want to run the ball more, control the clock, and, and put their defense in a little bit better situation. So um, it wouldn't shock me uh, if if Greg Roman was the guy, but I also like it's too early to tell for any of that stuff. I, no. I do have I do have a few other names though. When you're done your point here, okay. Well, I just wanted to say one more thing about Greg Roman, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm opening a huge can of worms here. Like I I, I know fully what I'm about to do, uh, and I hope you can appreciate it. So. Hear me out. This is 100%. I hope it's, I hope it's not what I think. It, it probably is exactly what you're thinking right now. So uh, with the hypothetical hire of Greg Roman, I know it was announced like 30 minutes ago that no matter what, uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson is is going to be playing uh, for Baltimore in 2023, whether it's under the franchise tag or the non-exclusive tag or whatever the case may be. Um, I still think Lamar Jackson is the type of guy who has every right to just flat out say I'm not going to play on the tag because it's not like he has that much leverage in Baltimore but he's got enough to where you know if they want to sign and trade him or something like that they could probably get some compensation for it in this fantasy land where Greg Roman is the new OC because I know people are going to ask would it help the Bucks' chances at landing Lamar Jackson if that ends up becoming a sweepstakes and Tom Brady is 100% moving on or is uh, no. that not even possible with the, uh, you know, the cap hell they're about to find themselves in? Yeah, that's not possible. Um, it's just, it's just simply not possible. Um, if Brady, the best thing for their cap is Brady returning because then they can save the most. Um, if Brady retires, they can still save a little bit. The worst thing is, and this would shut down any type of Lamar Jackson or even like a Jimmy Garoppolo acquisition, even like a Derek Carr. Yeah, like Derek Carr's in the same boat. Like, if Tom Brady moves on to a different team, they have to eat the entire $35 million dead cap hit. They, it would be just... the second largest dead yes. cap hit in history behind Matt Ryan leaving the Atlanta Falcons a couple of years ago. Yes, they, they would not be able to afford uh, the services of Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, like I said, even like a, a tier two quarterback like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think you would you would be looking at sort of that tier 
two and a half, three range, maybe a guy who takes a one-year deal for eight, nine, ten mil. I, I don't think you're getting much more than that. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I really, really don't think so. Uh, David Cardona says, Coach Wanish walked into the Bucks coaching locker room and said, get out. Yeah, you're right. How do you have that place bugged or something? How, how do you know? Um, so, um, yeah, you know, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the offensive coordinator, but I, I'm very confident that Lamar Jackson won't be, won't be the, the Tampa Bay quarterback. It's just, it's just the money's just not going to work itself out. So, um, yeah, okay. So, a, a few other names that I want to throw out there, and I, I put these out in my article for Bucks Nation a few days ago. Um, and uh, one is Brian Johnson, who is the current Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach. Also lead singer he, of ACDC. I like it. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of threw me off a little bit there. Um, but the interesting thing about Brian Johnson this is Brian Johnson, the football coach, folks. Uh, the, the interesting thing about him is he has a slight Bucks connection, a slight Bucks connection. He was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator for one Kyle Trask at the University of Florida in 2020. So he was the quarterback's coach from 2018 to 2019. Then 2020, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. So uh, Kyle Trask's final year in Florida, he was his offensive coordinator. So um, I think he's a rising coach in this league. He's played dividends for, you know, Jalen Hurts and his development. Uh, I think you could keep an eye on that. I really do. Um, and then another name, uh, is Lions assistant head coach slash running backs coach, I believe, uh, Deuce Staley. Obviously, the former Eagles running back um, never really got a fair shake in Philly. There was always some talk that maybe he'd be interviewed for the head coach job there. Never really got seriously considered. Uh, I think a guy like Deuce Daly could come in and just bring a little bit of re-energized, uh, you know, energy, I guess, to to that to that offense and maybe help that run game a little bit. So just just two guys to to keep. I'm not going to say that's interest or, or anything, but um, just two guys to sort of keep keep your ear out for. One more name I want to throw out there just for fun, uh, not because that there are any legitimate reasons to believe he'll come here and be the next OC, but maybe someone for consideration, whether it's as an offensive coordinator or maybe Todd Bowles wants to bring him in at another position. He is currently the wide receivers coach for the Minnesota Vikings. That's former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Keenan McCardell. Uh, I've seen a couple of people mention his name. And again, I don't think he's a strong candidate to be the OC. He, but he interviewed for the Patriots job. Did he? Yeah, he, he interviewed for the New England Patriots offensive coordinator job. Okay, so I take back exactly what I said then. Um, <laughs> maybe he is a name to to monitor a potential interview candidate for Tampa Bay, but obviously the ties with the franchise are there. Uh, we just have to wait and see how things play out. Honestly, as far as today's podcast goes, I know it's kind of been a shorter show, but I think we I think we run, uh, went around the horn and, and kind of hit all the topics we wanted to. We talked about potential OC replacements, caught you up to speed on what's going on with Byron Leftwich and why he is no longer in Tampa Bay. And uh, we are going to tell you guys now about our season review show. So we are going to take a look back 
game by game. Some people may not love this. Week by brutal week, we are going to go back and take a look at the 8-9 2022 season of our beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of break down what went wrong, what could have been better. Uh, The same way we do it all year. I think this will be our fifth or sixth season review show. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think we started doing that the first year of the podcast. Um, I couldn't tell you how many years we're on now, but I, I am, uh, <laughs> I'm, it's not that I'm not excited to get into this one. It's just, you know, this time last year, talking about the season review show, we were talking about just how close this team was to really going and, uh, possibly winning two championships in a row. And then here we are following an eight, nine record, a first round exit to the Dallas Cowboys of all teams. It's one of those things. And this is, this is something I'll close on my closing thoughts here. It's one of those things too. It's pretty funny to me. Um, If this is the end of the Tom Brady era, if, if Brady retires or he decides to go play somewhere else and you look at what the bucks were able to accomplish in the three seasons, he was here. They had a season where they swept New Orleans, won the division two years in a row. They had home playoff games, one of which they won. They also won a Super Bowl. But it's almost like the way things played out, (laughs) you know, it's almost like they blew their load too early. And then it was, you know, everybody was trying to rebound from that feeling year two and three. And by the end of year three, everybody's sick and tired of it. But when you think about the series of events, you know, had they gone eight and nine and won the division in year one, I don't know what that offseason would have looked like. But let's say year two, they go 13 and four and losing the divisional round to the eventual Super Bowl champs. And here we are year three. They're going on a Super Bowl run. People would be on top of the world right now. And we'd all be talking to each other like, hey, this is going exactly the way that we planned it. Right. Because even when Brady came in and uh, we reacted to that news all the way back in March of 2020, we were like, you know, this first season. They could be competitive, but, you know, don't expect a Super Bowl. And then obviously they went out and defied everybody's expectations. But that was the year. Yeah, yeah. it's just kind of funny how how everything that we thought or expected would happen kind of happened. It was just it was it was out of sync, if you will. I mean, hey, the end of the day, the Bucks sold their soul and they won a Super Bowl, which a lot of teams do and never come up with the ultimate prize. So I'm happy if this is it. By all means, any Bucks fan with common sense should be happy in the Tom Brady era in the grand scheme of things. But um, I just, I thought that was funny. Somebody else had pointed that out today. And uh, I said, you know what? That's a, that's a solid point because the bucks did accomplish a lot these last three seasons. I know 2022, it certainly doesn't feel like it, but they still won the division and they still swept those smelly ass saints. So uh, at least we can hang our hats on that. Right. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a shame that, you know, it sort of turned out that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you're going to look on it, back on it. And I think people are going to honestly, and it sucks because people are going to remember how it potentially ended more than the actual good that came from it. And, and right. that's what sucks. Um, people are going to be like, yeah, they won a Super Bowl, but they went eight, nine last year. Like, you know, if, if it is it, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Brady. Uh, maybe it's not it. You know, I still um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are just speculating like crazy, like folks like 
we got at least a month of this. Like, you know, chill out. Like, I don't even think Brady has any idea what he's going to do right now. Um, yeah, chill out. There is plenty of time to, to speculate for it. So um, we will see what happens. The, the era may be over. It may not be. So, uh, but regardless, regardless of who the quarterback is in Tampa Bay, uh, there will be a new offensive coordinator. That is for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the rest of this staff obviously fills out pending the ultimate decision from Tom Brady to see if he will be back in 2023. Are we going to have an answer for you this time next week? Probably not. This time two weeks from now, I doubt it. Uh, The week of the Super Bowl, probably not. But I I would bet that after the Super Bowl, if not the week of the game, we should get an update from the man himself. I just hope he doesn't make the Bucs wait till, you know, halfway through So here's the thing. Uh, I I, I think... uh... Uh, I, I think you're only going to hear anything if he just decides to retire. If yeah. he decides to keep playing, I don't think you're going to hear anything. So if you don't hear anything, I, I don't. I don't think there's going to be an official announcement like, "Oh, I'm playing." You know, he's like he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So um, I honestly don't think if he retires, I think you'll know that shortly after the Super Bowl, probably maybe a, a five, six, seven days after the Super Bowl, but. If he doesn't, like, you won't know if he's back in Tampa, I think, until free agency starts. Well, a be-all, end-all for the Bucks, at least. They're going to have to know before March 15th. Um, yes. What, they, what they will. And, and, I'm sure, and, I, and I'm sure they will. I'm yeah. sure there there is a date that they have in mind, and I'm sure Brady Brady will honor that, and, and he will let them know either, A, I'm retiring, B, I have legit interest in coming back, or C, the guys, like, thank you, but I'm moving on. So if anybody's looking for a concrete date as of right now, if you need a be-all, end-all, March 15th. There you go. Sometime before (laughs) March 15th, uh, we should have an answer for you. But ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you for jumping and hanging out with us on YouTube. I know it was short notice, but we wanted to get a reaction pod out for the sake of the breaking news regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And since it is our off-season coverage Any more breaking news, we're going to try our best to keep you updated on as soon as we can. So make sure you subscribe to the channel for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the podcast. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucs news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucs underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucsNation.com. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you next week for our 2022 season review show. Uh, It should be a long show, that's for sure. I don't know how fun it's going to be, uh, but as always, it's a great time talking to you guys about the Red and Pewter Pirates that we simply adore. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.